Hey, good people, this is Coach Derek Brown. On Thursday, February 10th, 2022, we came together to honor the life and legacy of Lemon Street High School's own Lewis C. Scott. Mr. Scott taught at Lemon Street High School for several years, and he let the life that he lived speak for him. So several of his students came forth on that night and they spoke on his life. I served as the host for the evening and I was proud to be part of something so inspiring to me personally from someone whom I never met. Let me show you something. All right, so we're gonna start the top right there, that's, that's Mr. Lewis C. Scott. And I have learned that Mr. Scott was born on May 13th, 1927. Now if you look to the left, see that old photo of a young and vibrant woman? That is my grandmother. Her name is Blundell Brown. And she was born on May 14th. 1927. I've known this for about a week and I'm fascinated by it. Now, y'all don't care about this now, but I was born on May 10th in 1970. And the year I was born was the year my grandmother graduated from high school. And she graduated from the high school that her oldest son would become the principal of 10 years later. That's something I hold near and dear to my heart. Now, if you look in the lower right, you see those three gentlemen, the gentleman on the left there, that's, uh, that's Sir Sidney Poitier. And he recently departed this life, but I'm told that he was born on February 20th, 1927. Now to his right in the center, that's Harry Belafonte. I'm told that Harry Belafonte was born on March the 1st in 1927. So that was some kind of year. These people are all heroes to me, and they were all born in the same year. Now, another thing about my grandma is my grandma was born on Mother's Day. Now, y'all don't care about this, but I was born on Mother's Day. So that's something me and my grandmama will always have. My grandmama has 43 grandchildren, 43. My grandmother walks in, we all stand up like the president just walked in because we all know we came from her. And that's her life story, nowhere is necessary, right? So what I know about Mr. Scott is, I know Mr. Scott didn't have children, but he did. I know that his children were all of his students at Lemon Street, and I know that in real life because I know what all of his students have told me about when they come up to me. I say, hey, uh, how do you learn? And what do you say, babe? By studying the things you're interested in. Yeah, and I can sleep good every night because every time I ask her that question, that's what she tells me. And she's eight now. That tells me she's gonna be all right because she will study what interests her and those interests are gonna start to bubble up in her soul and they will become her passions. 
and her passions will lead her to her purpose and her calling. And then she'll spend the rest of her life trying to make sure that happens. And what I knew I had to do while I'm here is get her to that understanding and let her know, don't let that depart from you. Like, when you get ready to take your last breath, you make sure that everybody in that room knows that's what they're supposed to do. Like, okay, so number five, I said, Scott is. And he said, man, Mr. Scott, man, Mr. Scott, Mr. Scott was the man. And boy, he taught us a lot right here in this room. Now, Mr. Rodney Gallette, who's not with us tonight, Mr. Rodney Gallette was the second person to arrive for our interview. And I kid you not, when he walked in, he did like the same thing. Like, oh, hey, isn't this Mr. Scott's room? And Mr. Miller says, yeah, this is Mr. Scott's room. Yeah. So anyway, I give you Mr. George Zanny Miller. Good evening. Uh, before I say anything about Mr. Scott, to, well, I'm gonna, I can take this off, right? While I'm talking, I'll pull it down. Uh, before I say anything about Mr. Scott tonight, I'd like to first of all say something. Uh, we at Lemon Street lost another teacher a couple of days ago, uh, Mr. Lewis Walker. Now, Mr. Walker was not at Lemon Street when I don't think any of us was under Mr. Walker. You were? Okay. Uh, but uh, he taught at Lemon Street a couple of years, and then he came to Marietta High. But uh, Mr. Walker has been a stand-up in the community. I know uh, those of you from Zion know him. He was, I think he was instrumental in getting the... Uh, uh, what is that? The, uh, museum. The, the museum together at Zion and some other things. And he was also a member of the Lemon Street Heritage Group. So I'd just like to say to his family condolences from those of us from Lemon Street and that we'll be praying for now. Folks, Mr. Scott was a giant. I don't know how tall he was, but he was a giant. And Mr. Scott was the type of person that when you entered into his classroom, you were gonna learn one way or the other. You were gonna learn. And I can recall going in Mr. Scott's classroom and when you, let me tell you, when you first walk in, he had two blackboards and they were always full of notes. <laughs> and you walk in, you sit down, you speak, and you begin to, copy your notes. And while you're copying your notes, Mr. Scott is talking and taking you through what the notes are all about and everything else. But Mr. Scott was a very, let me, let me, let me give you an instance of something that happened. Uh, we were in 12-1 and uh, this was, we were practicing getting ready for graduation and we were in the, the gym at Lemon Street, and we were all lined up, and seniors, and we practicing, getting ready, we're gonna graduate in another week or two. And we're in the line, and all of a sudden, Mr. Scott burst through the doors. Where is 12-1? We raised our hand, 
Mr. Scott said, I have an announcement to make. You all flunked my final. <laughs> that was not what we wanted to hear a week before graduation. He said, step out of line right now and come to my classroom and you're going to take that final again. Now, this was embarrassing. Number one, if you were in 12-1, you were supposed to be in what we call the college prep class. So we were all supposed to be getting ready to, you know, matriculate. And everybody in the gym just looked and smiled. And Mr. Scott didn't have a smile on his face. He was serious. He said, get out of line right now. March over here to the classroom and you're going to retake my exam. Man, everybody was nervous. <laughs> we were scared. We were embarrassed. And we went over and we had to take that exam. I, I talked to her. I guess we officially only talked one time, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it felt like we talked a, about a lot, though. What, what, what she told me was, uh, that, that Mr. Scott had this mantra that he was gonna let the life he lived speak for him. And when she said that, like time kind of stopped for me and I just heard it echo for a long time. I don't know if you could tell, but uh, you, I just went down this rabbit trail of, man, she just said something very powerful to me. And I was, very interested in learning about what he read and trying to read the things that he wrote. And when I went back to what you said, I said, well, she might have gave you everything you need there. And that's why it's important to now talk to the people who he taught, a lot of whom became teachers. And you'll probably learn even more about him that way than any of the ways that, that I thought of. I just wanted to share that as, as Mr. Miller closed his remarks. Now, I would like to now bring anyone else up who would like to offer tribute here. I would love for I'm listening to uh, George speak. It brought to mind a portion of two poems. I shot an arrow into the air. It fell to earth. I know not where. I threw a pebble into the pond and the ripples went on and on and on. Those poems, it appeared to me, speak to the life of Mr. Lewis. How did I know him? Well, I received an email this week, I was told by Terry to watch my email, and I was invited to this evening. When I came this evening, I was invited to <laughs> the stage, but things seemed rather serendipitous. I came from South Georgia back in 1970-ish area, from a segregated situation in school, and my high school experiences there were similar to what I've heard of in the street. When I came here and became comfortable with this community, I met two people 
for the first time. George Miller, Terry Ferguson. We're at that time, Terry Ferguson. And we've been knowing each other since that time. We met George Knight School at KSU. At that time, it was KSU Junior College. Terry as well. We rode together to school back and forth. Had lots of fun together. And since day one, Terry and I have been very, 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 very good friends. Knowing her, I knew mother. Knowing her, I knew father. Lewis C. Scott, just about all my life. And what a gentle giant he was in the community. And at Lemon Street High School, he didn't take no mess from nobody. He let you know where he was coming from. And that's one thing I liked about Mr. Scott. He was straight up, he was honest, and he was a father figure to each and every one of us. And I remember one time um, in his class, a friend of mine, we were showing out. And the first thing he said, Ms. McCleskey, do I need to call your mother? No, Mr. Scott, because I knew better. I knew what was going to happen if he had. And that's one thing I can always, I can stand here and say what a respectable person he was, how dear he was to all of his students. He wanted each and every one of us to be somebody. And I want you to know right now, I am a living product of Mr. Lewis C. Scott. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> I'm, my name is Terry Ferguson Arnold. Uh, I am the niece of Lewis Scott. And uh, I really can't speak to Uncle Lewis uh, as a teacher because of the majority of his nieces and nephews he didn't teach me. I did not have the pleasure of being one of his students in his classroom, that is. But I was one of his students. All of his nieces and nephews were one of his, were his students. Um, Uncle Lewis was like um, a second father to all of us. My mother, Clara, Scott Ferguson was his only sister and the two of them were very, very close. In fact, they graduated from high school the same year in, um, I think they were the class of 1947. Um, Uncle Lewis, and I'm not sure about all the details, but Uncle Lewis went to the Navy at some point out of high school and he came back, but then finished his senior year with my mother. So they both graduated from Ferguson High School in 1947. Um, what I can tell you about Uncle Lewis is that he was always there for us when we were growing up. If we needed anything, if my parents needed anything, 
if my uncles and their families needed anything, Uncle Lewis was always there, he did, that I would always take care of him. I would look out for him because he was not married, so he had no children. He only had his nieces and nephews. And so, uh, of course, my, my parents passed away first, which left Uncle Lewis. And at that time, Uncle Lewis was living independently. When my parents passed away, Uncle Lewis was 92 years old. But he was living independently, taking care of himself, you know. He could no longer drive. So between myself and another nephew, Freddie Scott, uh, we took turns taking Uncle Lewis to the grocery store or taking him wherever he needed to go. Well, um, shortly after my parents passed away, uh, Uncle Lewis decided that he was kind of tired of cooking and trying to keep his apartment clean. So he said, Terry, I think I would like to move into the assisted living facility where Charles and Clara were. He said, why don't you check into that for me? And so I did. And so I made the arrangements. And in November of 2020, Uncle Lewis moved into um, an assisted living facility. He was still in very good health. I mean, you know, he could still take care of himself. You know, he was just there basically for a place to sleep and to get all of his meals so he would not have to do any more cooking. So, you know, we spent, I spent a lot of time with him because I would take him to his doctor's appointments. By that time, oh, uh, service. Uncle Louis passed away um, June 17th of 2021. He lived to be 94 years of age. So I would just like to share with you the things that I said about Uncle Lewis on his special day. Let the life I lived speak for me. These are the words spoken to me by Uncle Lewis when we sat down to plan his home, his homegoing service. As we continued to talk about things, I casually said to him, you know that so many people will want to get up and say remarks at your funeral. He said very adamantly, no, I do not want any remarks at my funeral. I was taken aback at his words because Uncle Lewis <clears throat> was always asked to say remarks at just about everybody's funeral in Cobb County, especially since he taught just about everybody in Marietta during his earlier days as a history, as a history teacher at Lillard Street. You, your sister, 
brother, mother, father, auntie, uncle, cousin, etc. They were all included. He thoughtfully crafted remarks for each occasion based on his personal knowledge and interaction with the individual. A lot of time and effort went into the preparation of his remarks. So I was indeed surprised at his reply. He further shocked me by saying, I do not want a eulogy either. Just let the life that I lived speak for me. Resonate on that for a moment. How appropriate that is as a tribute to him on this day. When you really think about it, especially those of you who were close to him, this is the essence of who he really was and all that he stood for. Giving to others and expecting nothing or very little in return. One of his favorite expressions was, it's better to give than to receive. He was a humble man, lived a modest life, and practiced daily truth, honor, and service to others. He viewed life pragmatically, dealing with things sensibly and realistically, not wanting or needing much for self, but always willing to assist others where and when needed. Being a teacher never afforded him the luxury of accumulating much wealth, but he was always the first to lend a helping hand to others. When we were growing up, Uncle Lewis was always there for us, his brothers, especially his only sister, my mother and all of his 10 nieces and nephews. Since he never married and had no children of his own, we were his children. You could always go to him with a problem or a need and he would help you out. Yeah, I wanna say thank you to everyone here. Y'all have, uh, have helped the dream of mine come true and it may not seem like it, Right? But what we have done tonight will be very significant in the history of our high school. There are enough staff members here where I can say that, y'all are my witness. This will, this will go down as a tradition established here in this very tradition-rich environment that we will continue to honor those from our community and that our community will be an inclusive community. I'll say that like that and I'll, I'll hush. Um, 
Ms. Myers, Ms. McCleskey Myers, and I met. It was during 2021. Yeah, I told you I was assigned, when I came to Marietta High School, I was assigned to the Lemon Street campus. And I said to myself, well, now that's a trip. I wonder if they know who they're sending over to Lemon Street. My mother, Diane Brown, was one of the first three students that integrated the Ellery High School, my hometown of Ellery. Now she went to the Ellery Training School, which is the version of Lemon Street in Ellery, South Carolina. And my mother's school was an equalization school. Lemon Street was an equalization school. Both were built by funds from Julius Rosenwald, the founder of Sears and Roebuck Company. So I came to Marietta knowing that, and when I got assigned to Lemon Street, I said, they have no idea who they're sending over there. So I immersed myself in all things Lemon Street because I had a parallel story. I kind of knew where I was. And the day I met Ms. Myers, now she doesn't know this, at the end of every school day, I decompressed by walking. And I would walk around the annex to Lemon Street High School. And I remember the day I met Mr. Miller, Mr. Miller kind of schooled us on where the Lemon Street High School sat on those grounds and where the football field was. So I would just walk and remember what he said. This was what I would do every day. And then I would walk up the hill to 436 Lemon Street. That's where Reverend Warren Moon, uh, Walter Moon lived. And then I would walk back down. So on my way back down, I saw Ms. Myers and Ms. Myers was standing in front of these historical panels that Kennesaw State constructed right outside of the renovated school to pay honor to the Lemon Street community. And she was on one of the panels. So I walk up to her and I meet her and she tells me who she is. And I didn't tell her, but when she said her name, I knew she was on the panel. So I'm like, wow, I'm actually talking to one of the people on this panel. Now, Mr. Scott is, is on that panel as well. So I made a habit after I met Ms. Myers, like every day I walk, I'm always looking to see who comes to read those panels because that's somebody I probably need to go and meet. And now, after being over there for a couple of years, they reassigned me to come over to the high school. And I said again, like, they have no idea who they are sending over to this high school with what I know and understand now about how these communities, now they were forced together, right? But now, remember I told you about history and that going in a straight line, life doesn't go in a straight line, there arcs and curves. And so it's not a perfect union, but it's a union nonetheless. And we don't need it to be perfect, we just need it to be perfected, we need it to be finished. So what we're doing tonight is gonna to help with that. I wanna close by offering you some, some words, some of which may, may rhyme. I write, and I write things for my daughter. That helps me kinda of zone in on the voice that I wanna use. I wanna tell her things in a way that will kinda of, kind of stay with her. Before she was born, I tried to write down every lesson that I had ever been taught so I could say them to her. And I call it, You Can't See Me. Now I wrote it kind of as a lamentation, thinking, hey, you know, people don't really pay attention 
to what you do. People don't really take the time to say, thank you, I love you, I appreciate you, but we should. And then it kind of turned into, okay, well, then maybe what your charge is, Mr. Derek, is you sing for the unsung. So when I learned about Mr. Scott, I said, well, yeah, yeah, you sing for the unsung and you make sure that people know that they are appreciated. And you make sure that your daughter knows that wisdom is not something you can see, right? But it's something you can feel, especially when it's presented to you. And especially when you kind of learn it for yourself. And the people who impart wisdom to you, you may not remember where the lesson came from, but you internalized it and you're able to, to share it and you're able to live it. So it, it begins like this, it says, uh, my life is but an instrument, singing songs in many keys, a wisdom earned through lessons learned from mistakes of varying degrees. Here's one. Do not mistake activity for achievement. Arriving on time, y'all, means you're late. Now to get there on time, arrive early. If you fall seven times, make sure you get up eight. Now if it happens one time, we can call that an accident. If it happens two times, that might be a trend. Happens three times, now we might have a problem. But forgiveness is your friend. Now the race is never to the swift, it's to the ones who maintain. So you stay aligned and on your grind and you stay in your own lane. You keep it slow and steady. That's it. Nice and smooth. Always do your homework. Believe that God will approve. Every moment matters. You'd better realize. Then you can quickly respond to opportunities you recognize. Don't despise the small tasks. Pursue them diligently. Passion and purpose are often discovered through acts of ministry. You want to keep a pad of paper and a nearby pen of ink. Write your visions plainly. Make time to pray and think. Don't believe the hype. Avoid the glittery and the bejeweled. See, when we think with our eyes, we are often easily fooled. All money ain't good money. Sometimes less is more. 
I want to make a living through my giving. I want to learn how to turn two into four. Your fear is your only courage. Be scared to disobey. Be scared to rock that boat, but sometimes rock it anyway. Know how to keep you quiet until it's time to say. And if your heart ain't feeling right, then you say it another way on another day. Because freedom of speech means you gotta come correct. You wanna be quick to listen, but even quicker to respect. Be slow to speak, even slower to get twisted. Because meek ain't weak, and self-control beats double-fisted. The only thing to know is that you don't know squat. And no one cares what you know if they think you care not, so pick your spot. Practice, don't preach. When the student is ready, the teacher will teach. When faced with a fool, remember Proverbs 26, five and four. Sometimes y'all, you gotta let that fool go. But sometimes y'all, you gotta let that fool know. You wanna raise your child with loving instruction, encourage their growth, but discourage rambunction. Remember, that you are equal in essence, but you are very different in function. And finally, no good deed goes unrewarded, but the payoff is seldom immediate. Dreams manifest at God's appointed time. Though it tarries, you have to wait for it. Thank y'all. And thank y'all for uh, coming out and being with us tonight. Uh, we want to follow up by sending everybody. Thank you for your attention. Grace and peace, y'all. Good day.